Welcome everyone to another episode of the Alex Moore podcast. And tonight we have Dr. Karen Litsey, uh, well known in the physical therapy uh, world as a female leader in um, concierge PT. We're calling her the queen of concierge PT. Uh, Karen is also the host of the longstanding Healthy, Wealthy and Smart podcast. Those are words I manifest every single morning. So thank you, Karen, for the daily <laughs> reminder. Um, and Alex and I are really um, fortunate to have her on our podcast tonight. We know she's a very busy individual. So Karen, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for the invite. Oh, you're welcome. Finally, we're here. We're here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you again. You know, obviously you're very busy. You got a lot of different things going on. Uh, you just mentioned you're prepping for uh, an, an event that you've got going on this weekend. So really do appreciate you taking out the time. Um, you know, for me, Karen, Karen's one of the OGs, as we were talking about before. I mean, she's been doing this whole, you know, podcast thing, which is how I first came across mm -hmm. her. And then, uh, we briefly had the chance to meet at CSM. I think it was the same CSM that you and Mo and I met. Yes. Uh, I if I remember correctly. So mm -hmm. uh, definitely been following her for a while and all the great things that she's going on. And, and as Mo mentioned, uh, one of the, the women leaders um, in, in our profession and doing all those things to, you know, support the other women, the other great women that we have in our profession and kind to, to kind of raise them up and, and give them a platform. So, very, very excited to have you on and, and very grateful to have you on our show today. Well, I can't, I can't wait. So I, I, as we were talking beforehand and maybe we'll get into this, maybe we won't. Um, but we can also maybe talk some football rivalries towards oh, the absolutely. end. Oh, <laughs> we'll see. Cause I know you guys talk, I know you guys do. You, know, you guys talk football and you talk sports. And so I'm ready. I'm ready. We will absolutely hit that. I mean, I did learn something new about you today, so we'll, we'll definitely hit on that yeah. a little bit later. But, you know, as we do with all of our guests, and it's kind of become probably my my go-to question is, you know, I always want our audience to get a good an idea of who our guests are and how they got to, you know, this point today, right? How it is that you got to be on our show, and, and we're honored to have you on our show. So, Karen, tell us a little bit about how you got started, you down PT, you know, what PT school was like for you. And, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. So I went growing up, I was always athletic. So I w was in gymnastics from like the age of five till around 13 or 14. I did, I played softball from when I was four up until, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Um, so I was always very athletic and in gymnastics, certainly getting my fair share of like sprained ankles and, you know, aches and pains. And so I had gone to physical therapy on and off when I was younger. And then when I was in high school, the local physical therapist in my town, I grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania, about 6,000 people. Um, it's called Old Forge, Pennsylvania. It's the pizza capital of the world can Google it. It's true. Self-proclaimed, <laughs> but it's true. Um, and uh, so there's a physical therapist in my in my town, and he wanted to do some strength and flexibility testing on me. And so I was kind of hanging around the clinic quite a bit. And I decided to go to physical therapy school. When I went to school, it was a five-year master's program. So you went in as a freshman, and in five years, you graduated and you had your master's. Um, and I thought, well, I knew I wanted to go into the medical field. And I thought if I wanted to be a doctor, I can do that after I graduate. Um, if not, I can go into physical therapy uh, and, and, you know, continue on in the profession. And during my clinical rotations in school, I thought, no, I think I want to be a PT. <laughs> so um, I decided to go the physical therapy route and not apply to medical school. And then my older sister is also a physical therapist. So, you know, I growing up always did what she did. So there you go. It continues to this day. Um, and she lives in kind of central Pennsylvania, works for a large uh, outpatient company or for a large hospital system, I should say. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of how I got into the profession. And then um, maybe about eight years ago or nine years ago, I went back to school uh, to get my transitional DPT. 
So I, and I did all of that at Misericordia University, which is a small school in Pennsylvania. Oh, so Pennsylvania, true and true. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm an Eagles fan. That's exactly. why I'm an Eagles fan. Exactly. So, so I can, I can support that. You know, it's a homegrown <laughs> thing and you've endured all those years to just win the first Super Bowl. I know. You know I'm even wearing green tonight. <laughs> good, good. Listen, so, I went to Eagles games for years at the vet. And people were just giving away tickets. I remember going, I went to like three or four games a year. I think I paid $20 in total for all the tickets because nobody was going to their games. Were you one of the ones throwing snowballs at Santa? No, definitely <laughs> not. But I was sitting in that section. I wasn't there at that game, but I was at, anyway, we'll get into this later, but I was at a um, an Eagles-Cowboys game. And the Eagles were terrible that year, but they beat the Cowboys. And people were leaving like, it doesn't matter how we did, we beat the Cowboys. <laughs> That's always a highlight for, for many Always people. a highlight. Always yeah. a highlight. Yeah. So what what made you go back to do your TDPT? Um, because my patients were asking. Okay. So you know, uh, did you did, did you start your business uh prior to getting the transitional uh yep. DPT? Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so my patients were like, Oh, do you have a doctorate? How come you don't have a doctorate? So I know we hear a lot like patients aren't very informed, but Mine certainly are. So they were asking, do you have a doctorate? Um, do you have your DPT? And so that was really the main catalyst for me um, going back and getting that tr uh, transitional DPT. Were you already doing uh, cash? Uh, oh, yeah. I was working full time. Okay. And went back and um, it was a hybrid model. So it was mainly online. We had to be on campus like, I don't know, once or twice a month. And I did that for two years. So, yeah, I was working full time and doing that. So, and you oh. mentioned that that both times you did it at the school in Misericordia Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. Yep. So, how did you end up in New York? So, um, I graduated from college. I was working in a hospital, and a girl that I went to high school with was looking for a roommate in New York, and so I just moved. So there was not a lot of thought that went into that. Right. Um, and believe it or not, the rent was super cheap. I was paying $500 a month. So I was like, sure, why not? Um, so how did the cash pay PT start? Like what was the catalyst for that uh, pivot after working in the hospital? Yeah, so I started working in a very high-end gym here in New York City called Reebok Sports Club. It is no longer. It's now an Equinox. Um, but... When it was Reebok Sports Club, it was like the premier sports club in the city. And I knew that before I moved. Um, so I applied and I got the job. Um, and it was literally, I've made like maybe two or three really good decisions moving to New York City. This was one of them. Because it's where I met a lot of my friends. I'd say most of my friends. Um, and then, you know, they sort of scatter out from like those core group. So it's where I met a lot of my friends and where I saw trainers consistently working in the gym, but then like they were still working in people's homes. And I was like, wait a second, you're going to people's homes? And I thought, well, if the trainers can do that, I can do that. Why can't I do that? If they're getting paid, like people don't even bat an eyelash to pay them to come to their home, I can do the same. And, and that's how the idea came about. And then a friend of my cousin, his wife was looking for a PT and wanted someone to come to them. And so my cousin is, that was my first patient. So, you know, it was, there's no advertising. You know, we always talk about when it comes to marketing your business, it's all like you go to the people who have your best interest at heart first, because they're going to always give you those referrals. And my cousin was the first person to refer. My cousin lives in New Jersey, but her friends lived in the city. And that was my first patient. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. Did you have any business experience at all prior to doing this? Nope. Nope. <laughs> so you didn't go into it like thinking, oh, what the heck? Like I went into it thinking nothing. Um, so, so there no was expectations. no expectations. And then it just kept growing and growing. And then, you know, I got some mentors and a lot of my patients were entrepreneurs. So they were a huge help to me as I um, went through the process. And I also had some great friends who were very business savvy. So they helped and I took a lot of courses and um, I think it all culminated 
And Mo, you you and I went through the same thing. I just went through it a little bit before you was the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And that really made the, the biggest difference to, on how I look at things. I felt like I was, before I was like a PT who happened to own a business. And now I feel like I'm a business owner who happens to be a PT. Yeah, so uh, it was a, a real big like mindset shift. But no, I had no experience. So I made, I don't know, I can't even count the amount of mistakes that I've made. I mean, you guys can probably relate to that, how many mistakes you make. Um, so I made so, so many um, and learned a great deal. And the business just kept growing slowly over time, which is what I wanted. Like New York City is not the place to dive in feet first. Unless you have like a partner who can give you health insurance and pay your rent and, you know, things are expensive here, right? So you have to make sure you can cover all your costs. So it's, you can't go in and be like, oh, I don't have a business, but I'm going to start marketing. And my goal, I hope to see 25 people a week in a month, like maybe in some unicorn cases that does happen, but it's rare. So location matters, right? Yeah. Especially with Cash PT. Um, I, I mean, I would say yes and no, because you can always tailor your offerings to the people in your area. You know, um, I was home in Pennsylvania and talking to a friend of mine who's also a PT there. And she said, oh, I love what you do. She's like, I've had people ask me to do that. She's like, but I don't know. I don't think you can do that in this area. I was like, why not? There are people in this area who are willing to spend on their health care. You know, you would absolutely, I was like, there's country clubs around here, aren't there? Like there are people who have the ability to, to go to a cash-based practitioner and more importantly, are willing to prioritize their health above other things. Because I found it's not how much money do your clients have and all that. That's it's, are they willing to prioritize their health? by going to someone who they feel a connection with or who is a good fit for them. So that that's when people say your ideal client. I don't say people with expendable income or millionaires or billionaires or whatever heirs. I always say it's people who are willing to prioritize their health. Those are my people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have something we value uh, mm -hmm. regardless of what that cost is, right? Because right. If it's important enough to us, we're going to find a way to to get it done or, or to acquire whatever it is that that is the subject at hand. Right. What was the reception like for you when you first got started? Because I would venture to say or, you know, pure assumption on my point at this at this time. But there probably wasn't many people doing that. Was there? I didn't know anyone. So what was the reception like when you said, OK, you know what? The trainers are going into the home. I can go into the home. You get your cousin's uh, friend, you know, as one of your your mm -hmm. first initial clients. But what about the ones that you didn't have that connection to, right? Like you didn't. How, how was that? And you know, uh, for you, and how did you overcome that? Right. So again, um, because of where I worked, I had a lot of friends who were trainers. And so whenever one of their clients needed physical therapy, they referred to me. And so it was, you know, you work with your friends and family first. And so when, there were a lot of trainers there and some of them still refer people to me. And it's been 20 years, you know, and I'm still getting patient referrals from them. And then, you know, those, those branches keep going, right? Um, and keep splintering off. But people in, I mean, people welcomed having someone come to them. I once had a patient who went to a, an outpatient clinic <clears throat> and he said, you know, went to an outpatient clinic. He's like, but then I realized like, I can't take an hour and a half outside of work and I get here really early. So doing it before work doesn't work. And then after work, I want to spend time with my kids. So the only time to do it was in the middle of the day. So I would go to his office, roll out a yoga mat in his office, and we would um, have our sessions in the office. That way, if he got a phone call, he was there. If something happened and needed attention, he could say, oh, give me five minutes. I'm just going to go onto the computer. But he said for him, it was like a breath of fresh air because then he wasn't away from the office for like an hour, an hour and a half. So people, um, 
the reception was great. People loved it. And I see a lot of kids too. So parents really like it because they don't have to take their kid to one more thing outside of the house. They don't have to travel across town. They don't have to hop on the subway. They don't have to rush them out of school, take them out of a sporting event, you know? So I'm able to see them after school, sometimes on the weekends. Um, and they're in a nice safe space in their home. So it's, it's a matter of convenience. People will pay for convenience. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, now, with you being in New York City, um, you've already shared that cost of living is, is high. Um, now, how did you determine what your prices were going to be? You followed the model of what the personal trainers were doing. Mm -hmm. So did you say, hey, well, I'm a physical therapist. Should I be demanding more than what the personal trainers are getting or equivalent? What? Um what helped uh, set your price point? So for me, it was, what are the trainers charging? Charge a little bit more. Um, but then, you know, there are some trainers, as you guys know, who charge like astronomical amounts. Um, and I also kind of looked at, well, what is the cash rate for outpatient physical therapy clinics? What's the going rate for a cash rate? And then stayed pretty consistent with that. You know, okay. um, maybe a little bit more because I'm going to them. Um, but that's just kind of how I worked my pricing and, and also talking with referral sources. So patients, um, physicians, I mean, a physician contacted me or his office manager, who, by the way, that's who you market to, you market to the office manager, not to the physician, just like a pro tip. Um, so the office manager, uh, called me because she saw me quoted in an article in prevention magazine. Um, and that she said, oh, how much do you charge? And I told her and she's like, oh, that's perfect. Like our patients are that's right in the price point of our patients because they had she said we had a, another physical therapist contact us. He's like up in Westchester or Connecticut, but sometimes comes to the city, but charges nine hundred dollars a visit. And so she was like, you know, even our patients have their limits. <laughs> Nine hundred dollars. <laughs> so I mean, maybe you're seeing five people a week. Good lord! You know, you don't have to see many people. You could see five well, people a week or six visits a week and call it a day. Nine hundred a pop for sure. Now, what's the sustainability of that? I don't know. I guess he's doing it. It's, so it's all, it all depends it. on the market. It all depends yeah. on the market. So yeah. someone's paying for it. But this woman was like, then she, because another time she had called, she said, do you go up to Westchester? So no, it's just too far. She's like, well, you could double your price. I was like, it's, just, it's too far. She's like, we, had, we said, you know, sent the information of this other guy. She's like, and the patient was like, are you, is this a joke? Like, I can't. So, you know, that's when, when office managers are saying even our patients, it's too much for our patients. Like you might be too much, but you know, if they're the prices, I guess he's getting a couple of people. Yeah. Now, have you had to adjust your prices from what they were to oh, what they yeah. are now? Of course. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and that yeah, was from what they were to where they are now, they've like doubled. Hmm. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I know a lot of therapists freak out, um, especially in a state that doesn't have direct access or they feel that doing certain things is gonna, we're limited as physical therapists in terms of our scope of practice. Were those any challenges that you had to overcome when you first started this? Well, when we first, yeah, when, when I first started, New York didn't have direct access. So you mm -hmm. didn't need a prescription from a doctor, which is not the end of the world, by the way. So if someone reached out, I'd just like, just ask your primary care doctor. You, know, you don't have to, if they had a good relationship with their doctor, which most did, it was fine. So you, you did need a prescription. Um, now we in New York, it's direct access for 30 days or 10 visits, whichever comes first. And then they need a prescription, which again, everybody does. Like no one complains. None of the patients complain. They have to get a prescription. Everybody's aware of it. And everybody's, every they're fine. They'll be okay. Um, uh, what else has changed? I guess that's the biggest change was that and having like a much better like having better systems and having a really good EMR like they've obviously evolved over the past 10 years since since I started my practice so that's been like just a huge help as far as like being more efficient and professional and 
yeah. Okay, well, I know for, for me when I started off, um, because, you know, it's, it's just you, and you start off with pen and paper, uh, but now we've evolved into using um, an EMR, which mm-hmm. does cost money, so we've gone through our trials with various EMRs. Right. Not to call any names, but um, we've settled on one that is very clinician-friendly. Um, what are some of, like, I've had a lot of people ask me the startup course. And I was like, you don't have to start up with a lot of money, Um, especially if you don't have a brick and mortar uh, practice. Right. Uh, The mobile concierge PT is the way to go. And I honestly think it's the future of physical therapy. And Alex has mentioned so many times on our podcast, that's where a lot of the new graduates are heading um, towards. So... Um, what advice would you give to someone who is afraid to start because they don't have $75,000 sitting in the bank to do, I'm just quoting a large number, but you you don't need that. Um, but, to to, um, pay for a monthly EMR or thinking that they need to have like tens unit and ultrasound machine and portable laser machines and all that stuff. What advice would you give to someone who is right? thinking of starting, but they're stuck, they're frozen right now. I mean, what I would say is to look inward and ask yourself why, what is your why? Why do you want to go into this business model and be very clear on why you want to go into that business, into this business model? Do you feel like it will allow you to have more time with your family? Will it be less stressful? debatable in the beginning. Um, will, you know, um, you know, do, do you, do you want to be more independent? Do you want to make your own schedule? You know, look at those reasons for why you want to a start your own business and b do a more like mobile concierge type practice. Um, and I think it has to start from that. You have to be really comfortable with being your own boss. You have to really be comfortable with that, you know, the buck stops here. Because no matter what, if something goes wrong, there's no one else to look at but yourself. So you have to be really confident that this is the path that you want to go to move forward with. Um, I think you also have to be realistic. You know, like I said, I know there's like a lot of bells and whistles and, and um, programs and things like that. Like we'll fill your schedule in a week. Like that doesn't happen, you know, or you'll, you'll do something, you'll have a full schedule, fast forward three months and you got nothing. Right. So you have to understand how to be sustainable and have a, a sustainability plan. Like what is your sustainability plan? What touch points are you going to do every single month? that are, is going to keep you sustainable, you know? And, and if, I think if you can do that, I think it's a lot of like planning, like what is that thing with construction? It's like measure twice, cut once. So yeah. I think you have to kind of have that mentality of like take measure of yourself. And if you have a partner, if you have children, if you have pets, right? How are you going to incorporate that into your life? Um, what is your goal as a person? What is your goal as a business owner? Because they're different. And do does it make sense? You know, like for me, and, and also what makes you happy? Is this going to make you happy? Right? What, what, what do you want to be able to do? So for me, with my business, my personal goals are like I need to connect with a friend in person once a week. It's a non-negotiable, right? I watch one movie a week because I love to watch movies, right? Non-negotiable. So you have to kind of look at those things and and what what will having your business allow you to do? And if you don't know, then maybe it's not really the right time yet. So that's a kind of a good way to judge if you're if you're ready because I've seen a lot of people dive in and then they're like, "Oh, wait, the well dried up." So now they're a year in, the well dried up, and they don't know what to do. So along those lines, right, like you got to have your why, you've got to have your kind of things thought out. Where did the podcast fit in for you? Oh, 
Well, that was just like, <laughs> that was just sort of happened again, no plan. Um, so my friend, Josh, who is Josh Margolis, he is a trainer here in New York city. And he had a radio show, like at a radio station, like going to a studio, you know, headphones on sitting across from each other, kind of a thing. And he asked me to be on to talk about physical therapy and what it is. And, you know, and so the manager of the station was like, you have a good voice. You seem smart. You want your own show. So I thought about it. And I said, sure. So a month later I started and I was live every Monday at 1 PM and I had people in studio or we were doing like some remote things like this. And, um, that's kind of how it started. And so it was just a radio show. And then a couple months in, I spoke to an engineer and he's like, you know, you can put this up on iTunes. Like this was way before serial, you know, the, cause the podcast serial is really what I think Mm-hmm. was responsible for one of the big, biggest podcast booms, right? So I had to code my own podcast and to put it up onto iTunes because they didn't have like some of the the hosting, like Libsyn or what do you guys host on? Uh, uh, RSS feed, uh, StreamYard. StreamYard. StreamYard, yeah, for life. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, I use Libsyn. Now there's like a whole bunch of things where you can house your podcast. You've got to house it somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So that didn't exist. So I had to code it myself. So I was just, you know, following along, coding my podcast. So did I have, I didn't have a plan and that's why the podcast went through a lot of different iterations. And when I went back to school for my DPT, I just kind of stopped. That's the thing that went, because I had to work Mm -hmm. after the DPT. So I didn't do the podcast for about two years, and then it came back. So why what what caused the name Healthy Wealthy Smart? A patient of mine came up with it. Oh, okay. She's a writer. It's her job. Um, and so I was like, I got to think of names. And she's just sort of brainstorming. And she said, and I was like, yeah, I kind of like that. And so that's it. Sure. I, I like it. Uh, that was it. Manifestation words. <laughs> Um, so you, um, encourage people to become better at like public speaking and to become spokespersons, uh, even to get into, uh, the media. Yes. Why do you think that's important for us as physical therapists? Because every physical therapist says nobody knows what we do. No one understands what we do yet. They are not proactive in going out there and telling people what we do. So that's why. Because we suck at marketing. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Easy peasy. And that's, that's, I don't know if that's so much marketing as it is PR, right? So we have a PR problem. I don't think we have a marketing problem. We have a PR problem. We have a public relations problem, right? Now, the APTA has come a long way with Choose PT and that arm of the APTA. And the, the, it's made a huge difference. But from an individual standpoint, like if you went to your local paper or you went to your local, I mean, for me to go to my local paper, it's a New York times, a little different, but you know, when you're living, if I were living in a smaller town where I grew up, I would go to the Scranton times. I'm from outside of Scranton, right? I would go to my little local newspaper and pitch like October's physical therapy month. Every physical therapist should be pitching their local newspapers and radio stations and radio stations, TV stations. Every, I mean, maybe there's some local radio stations. I don't know. But everybody should be pitching their local uh, outlets. And if yeah. you want to get in at some time in October, you should be pitching like literally right now. Today's October 12th or sorry, September 12th. You should be pitching last week. You should be pitching today, reaching out, telling people what they do. If you're not sure what to say. APTA and Choose PT has some really nice talking points. You can talk about a patient case. You can talk about how you made a difference in people's lives. You can bring a patient with you. There's so many things that we can do as physical therapists to let the broader public know what we do. Because you guys know when you see patients and after they're discharged, they are like devotees, right? They're your ambassadors for your practice. And 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 I would say for the uh, for the the profession as a whole. So that's one person, which is awesome. But imagine if you can do that in a national magazine, in 
a newspaper, on a radio, st- why do I keep saying radio? On a TV station, on, on a news station. So now instead of reaching one, you could be reaching hundreds, thousands, millions. And exactly. it's taking up how much of your time? I don't know, an hour? And you've reached thousands to millions of people, right? So that's why I always encourage people to like, let's get with the program here, you know? And I started out through one of my mentors, her name's Selena Sue. She had a program called Impacting Millions. She doesn't have that program anymore, but that's how I learned how to do all of this stuff. So I would reach out to publications and lo and behold, they would be like, yeah, it's a great idea. Or, or can we interview you about something? Um, and that's how I uh, was interviewed by Prevention Magazine, maybe like two years ago. And the woman was like, this was great. And I had, I was prepared. They'll send you questions ahead of time. I was prepared. I had my references. I said, I'm happy to send you the references. I'm happy to send you this. She's like, this was amazing. And then they had another article. So they emailed me again and again and again. And now I'm on their editorial board. The only physical therapist and the rest are all physicians. And I think a registered dietitian. But so now I actually review articles for prevention. This, so the this, first, this the first one I reviewed was with Carrie Pagliano. Um, and I was like, I know her. Um, <laughs> and afterwards she sent me a note. She's like, thanks for reviewing my article. So, you know, now I get to review these articles and as well as they'll, you know, they're still, I'm still in a lot of their articles as the expert, um, as the expert. So we are experts. There's no reason why we should not be telling people this is what we do. No, you have a wealth of knowledge and experience. Do you offer like any coaching programs to anyone who wants to become a better, um, better marketing, better PR, or even like concierge therapy? Do yeah, you offer I, anything like that? I do. So I have a program for concierge therapy. Um, and it's called the Strictly Business Blueprint. Um, and I'm doing a little work to it so to make it so that a lot of people with a couple of different levels, so it gives more people the chance to get the information at different price points, which I think is fair. Um, and there may be a PR for PTs in the works with, with a PR professional at the helm. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> There might be in 2024 a pro a very affordable program for a physical okay. therapist with uh, my partnering with um, a PR professional. Uh, go ahead, Alex. I think to your point earlier. I mean, especially in in today's right, we have all these social media platforms. So it's almost you know Mo's made the the statement before. Like you pick up your phone. You can reach millions of people yep. by picking up your phone, right? Whether it's something like this, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever it's called. You know, you have all these platforms where you can reach people and you can do a reel, a video, whatever it is. And you have the opportunity to reach and educate. So mm-hmm. I think the opportunity is definitely there for everybody. Um, I think for some, it's there's a fear factor. Uh, for others, there might be just a lack of of confidence slash education to mm-hmm. go out with it, where I think a program that might be coming in 24 would be very helpful, yeah. um, that, that PR uh, for PTs. Because, uh, again, and when you're doing the cash-based stuff and doing that, like, you are your own PR, right? Like, you've yep. got to put it out there. They're not just going to come show up at your door especially no, no. usually doesn't i haven't had anyone knock on my door thus far and say hey i would like you to be my physical therapist it has not happened yet as of in due time in due time yes Uh, i i definitely know one of the challenges that i had early on was uh duplicating myself I, i you know you can't clone yourself so um how were you able to scale as year after year went by. Right. And that's, and it's hard. And for me, it's particularly hard because I'm one of those, like, I like to control everything. So it's really hard to like. Yeah. Did we say that all all three of us are celebrating Mm -hmm. birthdays 
Yes. Very, very soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You've got a, a Virgo and two Libras on the call here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so for me, it's really hard. And I'm still learning that, by the way. I'm still learning to, to let it go and to trust. But hired PTs on as independent contractors. For the podcast, what's been really helpful is having people like Dr. Stephanie Wyrack and Dr. Jenna Cantor, because they will um, do interviews for the podcast. So that is like amazing, you know, because then they, they're both great at what they do. And they bring in really interesting people that I don't, that I'm not, because I mean, what, like you guys know, like, what do you know, everybody? Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like totally impossible. So it's really nice. So that's one thing I've done with the podcast. I'm so happy that I've done that because okay. it takes pressure and stress off of me. Um, and they're great at what they do. And they find like amazing people to interview. And it's a lot of fun to listen to. Yes, you definitely have to have a team. Yes. And a capable team. Uh, yeah. it, it definitely makes the journey even sweeter. Yeah, and team building is hard. I mean, Mo, you would know better than I would, right? Because mm -hmm. you have a big team now. So oh. <laughs> so what What are the, not to be the interviewer here, but- um, Hey, look, what, you have a podcast, so, so I mean- what, Like, what are the biggest, what, what have been the biggest pitfalls for you in building out your team and what did you do to rectify that situation? Um, well, first of all, um, when I went through the Goldman Sachs uh, yeah. program, and um, for those who've been in it, there, there are moments when you come out crying or you want to like... I was literally say, in tears. Say F you to the person who was assigned as your business coach. <laughs> or like, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> But um, one of the biggest things that I had to realize is that I had to allow myself to trust people, um, to delegate. Uh, because before, you know, you've gone through a thing where people have disappointed you. You've given assignments to pe for people to do and they fall short or never completed. So you have to go back over and do the work. But as you allow yourself to assign stuff to trustworthy people, that you don't have to go back and double check. So I had to work through that part of it. And by working through that part of it, people stepped up. And mm -hmm. right now, uh, um, those on my team, they're, they're really showing up from clinician to executive. And that's how we've been able to grow over time. And I keep seeing the more that I am trusting people, the more I'm developing personally and maturing, it's it's just getting better. It's yeah. to the point where you're like, wow, this is finally coming together. Um, so uh, personal development goes a long way in helping your business to expand. Um, so invest invest in yourself. If you need a coach, if you need a, a business therapist, invest in one. Yeah. Uh, read books. Go to YouTube University if you have to go to that. Enroll in programs like uh, Goldman Sachs and other uh, yep. business programs because and network with the right people. Build genuine relationships because if you're just going to just take, 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 trust Doesn't me. Work. Yeah, you're not gonna get the you get the crumbs, but you're not gonna get the the hearty meal you. that you need to to grow. Right. Right. And like, I even like admire the two of you because it's also not hard. It's also can be challenging to have a partnership. Right. So I'm sure you guys. It's a good have... thing we like. It's a good thing we like one another. Well, <laughs> although that's, that's a good start. Right. But like, have you, like, have you found that there were times of stress between the two of you or, or around the podcast or the, or the business that you're growing as partners? I would say scheduling, well, our lives are sort of different. Alex is, is married with kids, so that can pose a, a scheduling challenge. But I have to also be understanding as well. Um, he knows that I am pretty much involved in quite a bit of things, which I'm working on, on cutting back. But we have a common goal. Uh, the thing is that we enjoy this. Uh, doing this, we are learning a lot from it, so it makes it even 
uh, better to be less uh, hostile or resentful um, towards it. But I'll let him speak for himself. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, I think for us, it's been very organic, right? I don't yeah. feel like anything has been kind of pushed or pressured um, other than me nagging Mo forever to, to get this started. Um, and, and Jimmy Jimmy demanding that we do three shows within like a week. And well, it was like the beginning of March and it was like, you know, beginning, middle of March. He's like, just have three episodes by the end of the month. And Mo was finally like, hey, Alex, I think I want to do this. I'm like, let's go. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and earlier you mentioned, you know, that we talk sports and that's kind of how this started. Right. It was just more about our love for sports and the banter and, and everything that comes with it. And then we were like, you know what? We can talk sports. We can talk PT. We can talk life. Um, obviously, being minorities, um, that kind of ties us all in. But but I, I think overall, the partnership has been very organic. Um, we both understand what each of us brings to this project. Right. And, and like Mo said, you know, my our lives are, are pretty different, uh, you know, with me being a husband and a father, obviously those time commitments that I have to make sure that I put in, um, because as I've said many times on this show, like I don't have the opportunity to do this and everything else that I do professionally and personally without the support of my wife, mm -hmm. um, who, who, who is, you know, my rock and, and kind of gives me the, the support that I need to do these things. And, and Mo is very understanding of that. Um, so that when we're trying to do things, we're working around those things and me around Mo, cause Mo is very busy. Mo is doing bunch of stuff you know every day she's in a different place whether she's working or she's out of town doing conferences or whatever the case may be right so it, it's a lot of it i feel that the best and easiest part has just been that it's been organic it's just kind of flown and and paved its own way and we just kind of follow um you know and mo has her her strengths and the things that she enjoys doing so mo is kind of our i would say mo is the leader of this in the sense where she it's, does it's a more. partnership. It's a partnership. <laughs> she does more, you know, she carries more of the weight with making sure that our guests are getting what they need to, to get on and to do those things and, and do all the things that we do to do to make this work. And and like she said, I think at the end of the day, our goal is just to have fun. Um, if we could make some money off of this somehow, absolutely. Right. You know, we'd welcome that, but that's never been the objective. Um, and we both have our faith and, and we know that, you know, as long as we do our part, the, the rest of it will get taken care of. So, yeah, yeah. It's, I love when things just sort of happen and it's smooth, but it also sounds like communication is key and that's the key in any business venture, right? Communication yeah. with partners, communication with patients, um, as physical therapists, that's, that's what we do, right? We're communicators. Like that's our number. I, in my opinion, I think it's like more than exercise therapy or manual therapy or whatever else you're doing. Um, it's proper communication, um, is the bedrock of what we do. Absolutely. Uh, most definitely. Uh, lay out your expectations early. Um, I've been on end of field, uh, business partnerships. So I, I know what is it that I want moving forward with mm -hmm. anything in the future. So, uh, but this has been really good for us. Um, we have family support on both sides. So that that's been crucial for us as well too. Um, and, uh, we have, we have an audience like people tune in um we have a variety of guests uh we will continue to do that and we just want to bring a product that's different it's not your typical physical therapy podcast so um whatever people can pick up and learn from from all experiences it, it's good yeah yeah it's great since she turned it around and it's <laughs> what's next what do we want to talk about next <laughs> well, so, isn't, that, isn't that nice though because i'm sure your listeners want to know that yeah sure yeah it, it is yeah, absolutely <laughs> so as we go through your progression obviously you started your your business and then we talked about the podcast now you did something a couple of years ago, I'm not sure if you're still doing it now, but it was the whole, the women in yeah. leadership and the, that we'll call it a conference. Cause I believe yeah. that's what it was. Yep. 
um, which from the outside looking in, I was like, man, this is awesome, right? Because it's it is awesome. It's, it's something that we don't see. Like I, 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 people always kind of when I'm talking to my patients, you know, I explain to them like, you know, our profession is primarily female, um, but you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't yeah. even know it because we've never had that voice, right? The the women coming together and saying, hey we're going to, we've got a seat at the table. Like we want to, to be at this table and we're going to let mm. it be known. And, and you've kind of taken that and said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So tell me, tell us more about how that came to be. And then your experiences with that. Yeah. So the way it came to be is I was in Chicago with Sandy Hilton and Sarah Haig and Sandy and I were talking and, you know, just talking about like all the fabulous people that we knew. And I was like, man, we should have a conference and have all these people speak. And then we were like, oh, yeah, like, why not? And so the first one, we planned it in about six weeks, which is a very, very short amount of time. Um, <clears throat> so once we had the idea, then we spoke to Erica Mello, who's here in New York, and she came on board quickly. And we found a place and did some advertising and got the speakers. And there it was, the first one. Um, and the, the first keynote speaker that we had was um, a girl by the name of Mandy Antonacci. Um, and she is a, she's a, motive, she is a professional speaker and she has like a couple of other things going on. But she and I knew each other since we were in high school. And we played softball together on the same travel softball team. And I knew she lived in New York. So I reached out to her and she was fabulous, of course. Um, <clears throat> and then she went on to do a really great TEDx talk and um, she's great. So if, uh, you can find her on YouTube or look her up on social media. She's just great. And um, she was, I think she was a marketing executive, but did a lot of things within the sports arena, like professional sports. So she'd be right up your alley. Um uh, and then it was, you know, I, I, we had it for three years in COVID and, you know, we're still trying to find footing, I think, you know, um, I would like to do it in 2024. I think it would be great. Um, there's definitely a lot of interest in it coming back. And I always say it's like the women in PT summit was like, um, uh, uh, in, in indie movie, right. Or like, uh, it, it versus like there's some other conferences that are more like a, a Marvel movie, you know, um, or a DC movie um, where they make a lot of money and they make a lot of noise um, and people like it. And then the indie movie is like a lot of critical acclaim, but it's like a box office bomb, you know? So that's kind of the women in PT. But, but, but see, I would say though, that those indie movies, those are the ones that really touch you though. They yeah. have a big impact. Yes. Yeah. Because they've always had a big impact because I feel like, you know, those indie movies, those are the movies that you're like, man, I, this should have been in the movie theaters. Like this, this, this like, is amazing. Right. Like, why am I just hearing about this now? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. you know, your, your DC or, you know, the, it's just pure entertainment. Right. Yeah. Like there's there's not you're not going into it with the the idea that you're going to get substance out of it. It's just like I'm here. Entertain me. Right. Yeah. And, and then just kind of go from there. But, yeah, I mean, from everything that I that I would see on on Twitter and stuff, yeah. it was it was a very popular it was, uh, event mean, that 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 was resonating with with the profession. Yeah. I mean, the thing that really surprised me about the women in PT summit over the three years that we did it is people. I mean, we had people crying. We had people saying, because of this, I started my own practice because I announced it in front of everyone. And so then I did it. Um, the presenters were very raw and open and not just about PT, but about their personal life and what they've experienced. Um, the first year we had a talk on bullying, which was great. Uh, the second year was on sex. Someone did a talk on sexual harassment in the workplace, which was wonderful. Sharon Dunn was our keynote speaker the second year, and she killed it. Like it was a speech she would have never given as president. She was the president of the APTA at the time. She would have never given as president, but she gave it here. 
I mean, people were crying, clapping. It was like, she was amazing. And then we made her do double duty because at the end we had a woman, Rosalind Sofer. Do you know Dave Sofer? He's a PT here in New York. His mom's oh. also a PT and she's like 80 and she's still at oh. it. Yeah. Oh. And so. That won't um, be me. That won't be me. <laughs> no, no, no. She loves it. No. You know, it's like, this is her thing. She loves it. She's super animated. And she's, I think she grew up in New York, which was fab. And um, so we ended that year with, because um, I didn't want to interview her on stage. So we asked Sharon Dunn to do, because Sharon has more of a historical perspective on things than I do. So Sharon interviewed her and it like brought the house down at the end. And then the last year is when we had uh, Emma Stokes was our keynote speaker. And our other keynote speaker was um, Maysoon Zaid, who she is a comedian and a disability rights activist. Um, she's actually going to be on Broadway in a couple weeks. And the other one was a woman who the woman who wrote Dirty Dancing was our second key was our third keynote. Um, so it was really interesting to get these different perspectives, but that's when we had like a great conversation around um, equity and race in physical therapy with uh, UC, um, Uchenna Osai and uh, Lisa um, and, and Jason Silvernail. So it was yeah, a people we found as guests, right? So, I mean, you you guys have been doing awesome. And so it was really last week, Ryan mentioned Sarah and Sandy as well, too. So yeah, it was a really, company. <laughs> and I remember like that year we expanded it to two days. I don't know if I would do again, but we had um uh a Jasmine. Oh, what's Jasmine's last name? Crowder. Nope. Anyway, uh, it's escaping me. Okay. Um her and uh, Rupal Patel, they okay. did a workshop. Oh, Jasmine Tools. Jasmine, Jasmine Tools. Tools, that's it. Yeah. They okay. did a workshop. It was the first time Jasmine spoke, I think. Like it was her okay. first speaking opportunity. And so outside of, you know, the stuff that she did with the Girl Scouts, but in physical therapy. And so they had a great workshop on race and physical therapy. And I remember something like people signed up and I was like, oh, do you want to go to this workshop? And this person was like, no, I think I'm good on it. I was like, all right. Um, and so then we had this big talk with Lisa and UC and, and Jason. Um, and then afterwards, this person answered, she's like, I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with any of it. <laughs> so can I switch my, um, <laughs> my workshop? And I was like, you can do whatever you want. Um, so it was really eye opening, I think for a lot of people. Now, to me, how I gauge a successful conference is that it's gonna force me to change the way I practice or improve the way I practice. Mm -hmm. And that's how I would read the success of a conference that I intend. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me that that's the feedback you got from your audience. Mm -hmm. And it may not have made you thousands and stuff of dollars, but as long as you're being impactful and affecting yeah. um, change, that's that's what matters. Yeah, As Alex and said, everything is going to follow after. That's always been the case, you know. Um, so I think now, given some of the tools I learned in the Goldman Sachs program, it's mm. it'll be different. It'll be run differently from behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, putting on a conference is it's a lot of work, a lot of work, and it's easy to sit on the outside and criticize when. Your food doesn't come on time or this, the mic isn't working and stuff like that. Again, it's the same thing with business. The buck stops at you. Uh, yeah. You can't pass off the blame on your supervisor or your clinician. It's all you. So right. if, you, if you're not ready to take accountability, being Don't do it. Is, not, is not your forte. Perfectly said. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So football season started. And Alex, sure did. did not mention anything about that other team that actually they won. They won on Sunday, and it was a home game, so you know the traffic here was bad. <laughs> oh, but see, which one of your two teams? Which oh, one uh, your two no, teams? no, the Ravens. No, well, I live, I live literally five minutes from FedExville. I could walk to FedExville. Oh wow! Yeah. So, 
Whenever they have home games, I do not venture outside. <laughs> Probably wise. Yeah. So well, it, it was a great weekend for NFL. I mean, so far it's real early in the season. I'm gonna say my my football teams are are off and running. You know, obviously I'm a Florida State alumni, so we're the number three team in the country. So that's going very well right now. Oh, and God. it is very, very well known. <laughs> Uh, amongst our viewers, I am a diehard Cowboys fan. Uh, so <laughs> the background. Uh, to uh, right, to, right. Go, to go into uh, New Jersey, but to play uh, the New York Giants and, and put a thumping on them 40 to nothing is embarrassing. Uh, it is quite the way to start. But right. as we learned early on, Karen is an Eagles fan. Um, they also we, won. We, yeah, they did win in a close one against the Patriots. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Football season around here gets pretty pretty exciting. Obviously, the Eagles uh, have been the most recent team uh, from our fan base here that, that has won Super something. Bowl. But, um, yeah. They're, they're, they're ranked number two, you know. Whatever, odds-wise, the odds-makers. Yeah, yeah. You them, know, what all was that it, changes. Six to one or something? Six to one or seven to one to go and, to the Super Bowl? Well, and the thing is, I mean, we don't hope for this, never hope for this, but you can always – things can change quickly, as we saw last night. Yep, uh, first with game. The New, with the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're boys out for the season. Tore his That's Achilles a shame. On, it, it actually is. like That's a shame. If if anybody watched the Hard Knocks, like I've always been an Aaron Rodgers fan, but to watch – I'm a sucker for the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't care what team it is. I'll watch it. Um, and I enjoy like learning more about it. But to learn – just kind of get an inside view of what he's like and, and how he makes those around him great. Um, which is, I think a true sign of a leader, right. Is that you can elevate those around you to get to another level. Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate to see that he went down. They still won, um, but yeah, it was a crazy game. It was but a that, crazy that's, game. It's, that's really, that's a bummer. Yeah. So for him to tear it is absolutely so. We'll have to kind of follow, uh, obviously, our teams as we go. Um, you mentioned Sharon earlier. We do need to get back in touch with her because my Florida State team whooped up on her LSU Tigers. So, um, Although, you know, the LSU women's coach, basketball coach, just signed the largest contract uh, in history. She is now the highest paid female coach. Kim was she's it, getting, she's making more than Don Stanley. I was gonna say like no <laughs> highest paid female coach, yeah. In basketball or in just basketball. in women's sports across the board? In basketball. Okay. Whoa. Which yeah. again, and, and that was gonna be my next thing is because the 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 women the women's coach at South Carolina, like Don Stanley, yeah, she, yeah. she's been winning a lot. Yeah, so it'll be interesting yep. to to see how it goes. He but. just signed a 10-year Kim Mulkey just signed a 10-year, $32 million contract extension, making her the highest-paid women's basketball coach in the world. Well, they just won, and then you've got all that NIL money that comes in now. So, you know, the money's there. The money's there. Like, it's just a matter of, you know, can you you, – Deliver – can, can you, you deliver, deliver the goods? Can you perform? Well, and, and not only that, but, you know, because one of the common argument with women's sports in general is typically like, well, they don't have the viewership or they don't have the revenue to, to warrant, you know, all right. these salaries and whatnot, which was the big argument with the women's soccer. Right. Um, but I, I mean, if you look at the women's soccer world cup, like I feel that that was a massive success. Yep. Uh, for women's sports. Uh, obviously, I'm a big soccer fan myself. And uh, with my country, Colombia, going far into the tournament, like I was watching and, and you know, I'll watch all the time. I, I won't watch like regular season women's soccer, but World mm-hmm. Cup and stuff like that, I'll watch. But to see the crowds um, and, and, and all of that stuff, and it was in Australia and New Zealand, right? So it's like across the globe yeah and you still have all these people that were traveling there you still had all the viewership so 
you know, it's coming up for them. And, and if, if it continues on this track, you're going to get to a point eventually where you no longer have that argument to say, well, no there, isn't, there, there isn't viewership to support this, right? Like yep. the sponsors are paying attention. You know, obviously the next is the next women's world cup. If I'm not mistaken is in the U S or they're trying to get it in the U S the, the men's, men's world, is. the men's is in the, in, in the U S along North with Mexico America, and Canada. So yeah, I mean, the U S is going to have a, a moment to shine here in the mm -hmm. next couple of years and, and we'll see where things go there. Well, okay. I mean, I went to the both ticker tape parades when the women, the U S uh, women's national team won the world cup and there was no shortage of people lining this, lining the, the Canyon of champions in New York city and going into city hall. It was wild. Yeah. If it's if it's one thing Americans love a victory parade. We love a parade. <laughs> we do. We love a parade in this country, right? Um, but it was really cool, you know. It was really fun to to see them. Not like I was right next to them or anything, but you know, they're they're kind of somewhat in your vicinity. Um, so it was it was really cool to see. I'm still hoping for a Ted Lasso spin-off for them creating a women's team. Because remember, you know did you guys watch Ted Lasso? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, one absolutely. of the last scenes was her saying like a women's team. You know, and, and it's funny, I don't not funny that you say that, but it would make perfect sense because the women's premier league is is climbing. Right. Right. Like you're starting to get more of this talent. Uh, again, obviously the World Cup and, and having that stage on the World Cup level gives you access to that, but People want to see it. I mean, I absolutely love Ted Lasso, and love. I, I think that 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 would be a great opportunity for for them to capitalize on what the Women's World Cup has just done mm -hmm. um, to to do. But that would be amazing. Yeah, I, I can I can I can only imagine though some of the things how they would have to kind of navigate some of the different things that that you know, especially all those like locker room talks and scenes, but. Um, it's such a great show. I, I got my mother-in-law into it. I was like, you've got to watch this show. She's like, we can't stop watching. Is there more? I'm like, no, there's only three seasons. I wish there was more. I know. Um, I know. But yeah. yeah but that, wait, wait. Since we all love Ted Lasso, I got a lot of business lessons and personal lessons from, from the show. Mm -hmm. um, and I encourage my sisters to watch it. And uh, they watched it. They enjoyed it as well, too. But um, one of the main things that I got, even though she hired him to fail, he succeeded. He went beyond and he proved it. His style was different. So you don't necessarily have to know everything about it. But once you bring your heart to something, you will succeed. Yep. And, yep. and that's the key, Mo. Like, you know, he, he didn't know a lick about uh, football, soccer, but he just... His his his, his, his attitude person. his attitude was like I'm gonna do this like mm -hmm. if you bet against me like I'm gonna win like I'm gonna do the things but yeah like I think across the whole show there's so many different uh, talking points and storylines yeah. and and things that that kind of bring you together I for me the the best episode the, the one that had I I think that I still remember and still think about today is the one. Uh, I can't remember the name, but the Nigerian player uh, mm -hmm. who starts the restaurant, yeah. and then at the end of the scene, Damn. he's with his, he's yeah he's with his dad at, at the end in the in the kitchen, and like mm -hmm. it, it to me, it's just like man, like these tears flowing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> and and for me, as a father, I have two boys, two young boys, so it's like all these things that come into play. Yeah. It's like now nah, this is this is an amazing show. Yeah, you know. The I found it so relatable and so like when the, for me, the part that was really, there's a great scene with Keely and Rebecca when Keely was the head of her own PR yes. and Rebecca came in, she started crying and she's like, and Keely said, well, I double booked. This is the time I booked for me to cry. And now you're here at the same time. And I was like, yeah, I need to book a time to cry every once in a while too. Like that's pretty healthy actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> and, and that same scene, what, what always stood out to me was like, 
you know, women can be bosses. Yeah. Like women can be absolute bosses and run a, a team and, and run their own market, right? Because, and, and not only that, but like how they work together, right? And the yeah. difference in age. Because, you know, it like always, it didn't matter. Like you were just, we're just, you know, we're going to come together yeah. and support each other regardless of and what. I, and I think it also shows that it's okay to be vulnerable because if you have a business coach or you have a mentor and you're not vulnerable to them, or if you're in like, since I started the 10,000, ended my run at 10,000 small business, myself and one, two, three, five other women, we have our own little off shoot where we mm -hmm. meet once a month. And we were going around like, rate your personal life, rate your business life. This is our first meeting. They came to me and I just pulled a Keely. And I just was like, it's all terrible. <laughs> it's a two. I'm a two at everything. Um, and just, and they were all like, Oh no. Um, but it was nice because I can open up to them and felt comfortable enough with them to be vulnerable and then really felt their support. Um, and it brought us so close as like very cohesive and close as a group. Um, you have to, you have to have that support. Yeah. Support. Yeah. Uh, people who, um, going to be there for you, even at, on your lowest day or your worst day. And they would understand like, Oh uh, yeah, she's going through it. Mm -hmm. Just open arms and just give you that space to cry, yeah. yell, scream, kick, whatever you want to do. Right. And just tell you, look, you've done it. Now get over it. Move yeah. on. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you do need that. So. Well, Karen, it has been awesome. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Um, good catching up with you. And, and we look forward to, to all the great things going on and, and uh, all those maybe things that may be coming next year. So everybody be on the lookout. Yeah. Um, right. But again, thank you very much. We really do appreciate your time. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. This was great. I loved it. Good, good, good. Uh, for everybody, follow us. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook. I know we've not been too active on uh, Twitter and Instagram lately, but uh, hopefully things will change soon <laughs> and improve. <laughs> But um, again, subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and keep tuning in for other great episodes. And happy birthday in advance to you, Karen, and also to you, Alex, and and to you. And to you. you. <laughs> All right. So, All right, everybody, have a great evening. Have a good evening. Take care. <laughs>